the upright position. Please uh, fasten your seatbelts. And just like that, ladies and gentlemen, we did it again. We landed everywhere we're supposed to land. Welcome to another episode of TGA Unofficial Live. I'm Scott Peary. I'm here with my pal Vivica, and uh, we're going to be talking with someone that I've really been looking forward to getting to know and learning more about, Mr. Sam Ocean. But before we kick it over to Sam, Vivica, how the heck are you? Good, Scott. Thank you very much. Super excited for today's call. Um, I have also been stalking the Sam Ocean as well, so uh, excited for him to be here today. Sam, um, I guess introduce yourself, let everybody know who you are, what you do, um, how we are able to get you into the Guardian uh, TGA unofficial, and uh, you know, just give us a little bit of a backstory. Amazing. Scott, Vivica, it is a pleasure to be here to finally be chatting with you both after all of this time. So I'm Sam. I'm just a normal guy. And I like to emphasize that who has just done things that might be a little bit beyond normal. So it was maybe nine years ago, I got into this game. Uh, My first four way into this wasn't some digital course. It was working in-house at an eight-figure marketing company, which turned me into what I am today, which I would call myself a marketer, a creator, and someone who's just very passionate about doing things in real life and then just talking about it online in hopes to inspire somebody else who is like me, you know, about nine, 10 years ago. Love it. Yeah, I love it as well. And uh, I just, when I put put you into the enlarged picture, I see that there's a guitar in the corner there. So one of these days when we get together in real life, we'll have to have a little bit of a jam. Um, so one of the, the way that I collided with you, Sam, was actually uh, when I came back to Twitter after a very long uh, time away. And I think it was Jake Anderson, one of our guardians mm-hmm. and someone that's now part of the, the inner circle at TGA, was connecting with you and following you. And I was really super intrigued by this whole um, way that you show up on Twitter in particular, where you're you're kind of building what you build out loud and in public and really transparently sharing what's going on. Um, it's a really fascinating uh, approach for me, something I hadn't really considered before. I would love to get a little bit of the origin story of how you came to be doing things that way. And maybe also uh, bake into your answer, just like you, you came into our consciousness through uh, an association some time ago with Nick Peterson, who I'm sure is uh, checking in on this call. I'd love to hear just a little bit about that whole trajectory. How did you go from meeting Nick Peterson to becoming this force of nature on Twitter, doing what you do out loud and in public? Definitely. I, I I hang with that question. I love this. So the way the inception of meeting Nick is I, when I was working at that company, the eight figure marketing company, I started as a, a lowly customer support rep who hated marketing and sales. I had a, a wild experience where the founder had hosted uh, a marketing meeting, a private marketing meeting that I was not invited to but I was young and hungry. So I snuck into the back of the room and listened in. And he had mentioned that they had done about half a million dollars in the last 24 hours of their launch. Now, like he just kept talking, but to me, it was like a flashbang went off and it just changed my brain chemistry to realize how is this even possible? That's the day I suddenly became in love with marketing and sales. So I started shifting into copywriting, direct response marketing, selling information products, coaching programs, And as I left that company and started my freelance journey, I had 
everything was going really well, quite naturally. And then I came across these coaching programs. And through these networks is when I came across Nick. And as we both know, he had a very counterintuitive way of looking at things. And for some reason, I just attached to that message more than the typical stuff that was being uh, you know, talked about. And so that's how I came into uh, Nick's world. I was inside the network, if that's something that's known, one of his original masterminds. And I was in that for a long time, just learning how to think, learning how to think about life. What it, where it led me to today is this idea that out of that kind of story I just said, in the nutshell, the, the underlying theme of what gets me excited in life has always been doing cool stuff and then talking about it. So back in 2011, 2012, I started a YouTube channel. I bought a camera and I started vlogging about my days. I started vlogging about what I was doing in life because I had recently dropped out of college to try and make something of myself without it, just as an experiment. Back then, that's what blogging culture was, is you talk about what you're doing. And so that kind of stuck with me up until maybe, I don't know, a few years ago, I came across a guy named Alex, who is running a company called Groove HQ, a software company. And he pioneered this whole build in public approach, where as a founder, he would write about what he's actually doing behind the scenes of the company. You know, he was sharing stuff that most founders would never share. And the magnetism of that, I remember the effect of that. I just couldn't look away. And I knew, ah, not only is it fun to talk about what I'm doing, but there's also a marketing effect. There's a positioning effect. When you are someone where you want to use your personal brand to build your business or to gain any type of reputation, building in public is a competitive advantage. There's a natural moat around it, which is other people aren't willing to do it. And so I've been experimenting with it for the last year, really understanding what do you talk about? What do you not talk about? What are the elements that really get people's attention? What do they care about? And so when I started earlier by saying, I'm just like a normal dude, what I realized is people don't really care about the big wins. They actually almost care about seeing your mistakes in the actual, uh, you know, not just the peaks, but also the valleys in between. And so I'm like, I'm just a normal guy who's on a path to achieving bigger things. So I just want people to see I'm a normal person just like you. I'm not, I don't do anything different, but here are all the mistakes I run into. Here are all the fail, failures I make. And that has created this kind of rave following audience effect. And so to me as a marketer, I'm always trying to do things that give me an advantage as well. What is, um, I guess, what is the hardest thing about building in public? that you come across, that you struggle with? So you could say, sometimes I run into it lately, is you naturally have to be doing stuff. So the moment you start building in public is the moment you really put yourself on the line because there's this whole idea of uh, you're now talking about what you're doing and some people can fall into the trap of kind of the dopamine effect of talking about what they're doing so much that they don't, have the time or energy to go do the thing that they're doing. So that's not something I struggle with, but I see a lot of other people struggle with this, especially at the beginning stages. One thing that's tough is knowing how to balance like what, when you, when you have mistakes or you have lull periods, like periods where you're just kind of like in it, in the trenches or you're in between things and there's not a lot of exciting stuff. You have to be prolific at looking at your day to day and saying, how can I take this thing that I think is mundane and turn it into a fascinating post or story? 
or lesson. That's been the struggle and I've gotten much better at it. But even today I have a challenge. I need to build in public once a day, take something I'm doing on a daily basis and turn that into a fascinating little lesson that people would get value out of. That's the thing I'm focused on. I love what you were saying about, I mean, you, you started off by just by saying I'm just a normal guy, but what, what I'm hearing in, in what you, this approach of building in public and, and being transparent about the peaks and the valleys is it normalizes what is actually the typical freelancer, entrepreneurial creator experience. Like no, and it, it does sound like that must've been really refreshing at the beginning because you know, for a long time, social media just felt like everyone was, was showing you their, you know, they're the very best of the best and none of the rest. Uh, mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I noticed when I kind of came back to Twitter and I, I, you know, caught what you were doing and really resonated with that approach of let's, I'm going to show you the good, the bad and the ugly so that you can do uh, most more of the good and less of the bad and the ugly. Um is that the, you know it, it appears appeared at least to me and correct me if I'm I'm not really landing on this correctly but it appears that there's more and more people that are following this this path this formula this approach um, and I'm just wondering like if if you so if you were starting right now and the, that part of the field is a little bit more crowded mm-hmm. how would you you know, to your point earlier, how would you differentiate, uh, you know, what would be the counterintuitive, slightly different approach that would still allow you to do what you're doing now, but position it uh, so that you are in a, in a domain of one doing it in some sort of specific idiosyncratic way? Got it. And is this if I was starting almost like a beginner starting fresh? Yeah, if 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 you're starting today knowing that now there are more people doing this than there were when you started, how would you make it how would you make yourself stand out in a field that's starting to to maybe get a little bit more full? Got it. So this I I have a lot of people who DM me about this because uh on my Twitter is where I build maybe I don't know 90% of the audience and the people who engage with me, they're newer to this game. They're, they're hungry, they're hustling, they're just getting into this. And so I give this advice quite a bit and it comes from marketing principle, which is it's not, you know, better is not better, different is better. And so the ones who are trying to build a business and build a personal brand and they want to do it by building in public, that's one layer of differentiation. However, if you're a beginner, you're really starting from scratch. You probably have these fears. You probably are like, oh, there's nothing to show because I'm not as big as Sam or doing things like that. And so what I say is you're you're kind of, you're not just learning in public, but you're taking action in public. So copywriters, I started as a copywriter. A good example is when you go, go reach out to people to get clients, tell us what your strategy is for how you're going to reach out and make sure it's different. Make sure it's a little bit unique. Instead of just sending cold emails, be the person who says, hey, I'm going to take a different approach and I'm going to send a physical letter to people's doorstep, which means I need to figure out how do I get a letter to that person's address in the first place. Now that's already a little bit exciting, especially if a week later you then post the letter that you wrote to some big person, you tag that person and you say, uh, you know, letter coming to your doorstep or letter going to your, uh, you know, post mailing box and people see 
uh, what is it? The, the, uh, allegiance capital, mm -hmm. you say what you're about to do and then you start doing it. You have now initiated that movie and it's like, oh, like you're watching the underdog at that point and they're just doing things differently. So I have, there are people online who are doing this exact thing. They will write an email for someone and they'll actually post it online, tag the person, get their friends to tag the person. And then they have a list that they go through and they just keep doing it through all of their prospect lists. So they even show us the work they're doing for that person. So that's one way. It's like show your work in public and have an element of differentiation to what you do, just make it fun and exciting. You mentioned um, you mentioned Allegiance Capital. That's something we've learned through Guardian Academy and, and probably CCA. What is your favorite CCA principle that you implement, um, I guess, daily in your or in your business? And what's one that maybe that you got from Alex and Groove HQ? Got it. So the the thing I think about most, and I have a very simple brain. So uh, I say that because the whole idea of the closer versus more is what I'm always focused on. And the reason is because as a creative marketer, as a creative, my my risk is focusing on one too many things and having one too many ideas that I can actually put energy and act on. And so I'm always reminding myself, okay, is this bringing me closer or is this just more? Like 95% of the time, it's like one of those more concepts. So this has been my way to slow down to speed up almost. One of my favorite quotes Nick has always said is, the long game is the shortcut and the shortcut is the long game. And so the closer versus more is what really instills that to me on a daily basis, I would say. In terms of Alex, I... The, the thing I get from him is just be willing to do what other founders are not almost as a principle or a baseline. And then you can apply that in many different areas, not just in marketing or how you build in public, um, but anything else also. Like it, it's always, it's always reiterating this idea of being different. Like it's all, it's the highest leverage thing I think about in business and marketing and branding today. Love that. I want to circle back to the, I love that quote that you shared. Um, better is not better. Different is better. And mm -hmm. so what I was hearing and what you were sharing was, you know, finding a different way to, um, to market your product or service, a different way to mm -hmm. put your offer in front of an ideal prospect. Um, mm -hmm. and it reminds me a little bit of, um, one of the things that Lucas uh, Roszewski taught us at the event in, in Phoenix um, a couple of weeks ago, which is he was talking about like the levels of market sophistication. Like if you can mm -hmm. be the first to market, that's a really good thing. If you're not first to market, then you have to, you know, your next chance is to have a bigger, better claim um, with to the same market. And then, you know, there's the new me new mechanism claim and there's the, uh, you know, bigger, better mechanism claim. But at some point, the market kind of gets to the point where it gets a little bit cynical and jaded about because now everybody's making these, you know, we, we see this in the power offer space. The, mm. the amount of revenue increases as the amount of time it takes decreases. And at some point, we just, something that sounds too good to be true just doesn't sound like it could be true. Yeah. And so in a... In addition to the marketing and sales piece, putting you know, develop putting that offer in front of people, what what 
would be some of the things that you would be thinking about now, or what are the things that you actually do think about now in terms of differentiating the offer, not just the way you put it in front of the audience, but how do you, how do you create offers that, um, in, in my work, I, I, I call it the difference only you can make. I want to help people find their unique talent gift approach perspective. The thing that makes what they do only able to be done by them. And for a certain segment of the population, Mm -hmm. they're looking for exactly that. So how, how do you think about, um, differentiating the offer, uh, as opposed to differentiating the approach to putting it to market? Love the question. It is, it is the ultimate thing to think about in my opinion. So let me, let me rant on about this. Peter Drucker said, the only two things that make money are marketing and innovation. And I say this because when it comes to differentiating an offer, that's marketing. But I think when you just look at it from this angle, we can miss out on a lot of things because you can create differentiation by actually finding innovation in the service or the product itself. So you can start here and talk about before I even go market anything, what, you know, what problems are people facing and how are people typically, what are the solutions that solve those problems? How can I innovate on the solution in such a way where that, that piece of innovation naturally lends to good differentiation. So it's kind of a uh, inside out approach to looking at it. Mm-hmm. And the one question I've learned from a uh, mentor of mine, Travis Sago, he's, he, I see him as like my, one of my marketing offer mentors. He says, the number one question you want to ask is what solutions are everyone using that they're fed up with dot, dot, dot. And how can you do it better, faster, cheaper, more superior, more fun, whatever benefit you want to add there. So whatever everyone else is using, what is the thing they're annoyed with about those current solutions? That is your point of attack when it comes to offer positioning. So whatever they're annoyed with, you want to take that and pretty much remove that part from their experience and say, I can help you get the same result without having to deal with that friction point that you're all dealing with. And I mentioned Travis Sago because what he's famous for is when every coaching program was teaching people how to sell high ticket offers. And a part of it was like, put out your offer, get them on a sales call, close, just an accepted part of the process. Travis said, I can help you close those high ticket sales without that sales call. Just an email and a payment link. And everyone's foaming at the mouth. Why? Because a lot of people don't like sales calls, but they believed it was a part of the, like, you don't even question that part. And so the innovation of that comes to, well, how do you sell without a sales call? And you actually have to work and figure that out and look at these principles and he he cracked it. And so another example I could give is uh, on Twitter, there's the whole ghostwriting industry, right? It's the same thing as copywriting. So a founder who's too busy to build their personal brand just hires someone like me. And that person writes in the voice of the founder to grow the account. That's building a personal brand. What's annoying about building a personal brand for a lot of founders? They don't want to be influencers. They don't want to, you know, waste time doing it. Sometimes they worry about their privacy. So I have a a call with a guy in two days and his whole thing is don't build a personal brand, build a personified brand, which, and then he made the argument for how personified brands, mascots, and characters are actually 
what the biggest companies do on a B2C level. You got like Tony the Tiger for Frosted Flakes. You got Flow on the, you know, the insurance commercial or whatever. There's all these examples. And then on a B2B level, he's like, it's now becoming more popular. Instead of launching your personal brand, you can launch a personified brand. It just takes a little bit longer to get going in the first place. But now you have a sellable asset. There could be one person or a team of 60 people behind it. You can transfer it between different companies and there's no key man risk. That's a, that's an attractive offer to a lot of founders. The list goes on, but you can kind of see, I wasn't even really differentiating on a mechanism almost. We're almost differentiating on like an entire perspective on how you look at things. So that's how I see offer positioning. For So for founders, for new startups, beginners, any tips on how to, you know, get this done either more efficiently or quicker, you know, like the guy who's wearing too many hats and wants to take the time to create and put the stuff out, but has to do the things. Are there any tips, any tricks, your favorite hack, you know, AI, like what, it, what can it, you. Yeah. In terms of content. <laughs> as far as just like, you know, the process um, I know, like, you know, some people batch create and they'll create stuff for mm -hmm. the week. Um, some people will use AI to generate content and, you know, prompt something that, hey, create me 30 posts for the month. Um, yeah. What do you feel, you know, doesn't cheapen the process, right? Because you want it to kind of be authentic, but still can kind of, you know, leverage efficiency and, and kind of technology. Got it. Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. Again, I have, I always have like two perspectives on a thing. In, in the trenches, in the frame of that question is, I am starting to finally use AI for what I do, but I'm not using it in a way to like actually create the content. I'm using it to um, just extract what's already in here and get it onto paper in a more efficient way. So the process I'm working on is I take a, and for me, I, I preface this by saying I'm a creative. So I'm, I'm a hard ass when it comes to what I put out. Like I could never delegate what I do to, to AI or somebody else because I'm just so specific with how I write things and AI delegation, there's a natural drop in quality. I used to work with a huge AI influencer um, behind the scenes over on Instagram. And the truth is like a lot of these guys, they're not using AI in their own stuff. They're just talking about AI to grow. And so I'm working on a system where I can take a morning walk, talk into my phone, like a audio message or a voice note. And then that once that voice note ends, it kicks off this series of events, this like sequence. Think of it like Zapier. It's called make.com. And then you can start to have it do these tasks back and forth. So by the time I get home and I open my computer, there's like, it's already been run through a few prompts through different perspectives and edits for uh, here's the YouTube script. Here's this thing. Here's that thing. Here's the idea. Here are some questions to ask yourself. And then I can start and sit down to write. Um, that's what I'm trying to build at the moment with somebody bigger picture. Someone's like, if to, it depends what your goal is. So a lot of people are just trying to put out more content, but the whole closer versus more, what are we really trying to achieve? It's why on Twitter, I never followed the advice of post three to five times a day. Cause that's already too tactical for me. I'm trying to build a reputation with the right people. So what's the best way to do that? Well, you can achieve that with one post a week if it's an epic freaking post. And so I've, I've experimented and succeeded with both. It's this idea of how can you just create content that stands out? Because one piece of content 
can do the heavy lifting of a thousand pieces of content. There's usually an 80, 20 equal distribution. So I just spend a lot of my time on what's the one thing I can create this week. And then how can that be repurposed um, and changed slightly into the other platforms on a more frequent basis, starting with YouTube usually. Mm. Uh, as we're coming to the end of the time here, I just wanted to give a cut. Uh, StreamYard is not letting me see who these wonderful people are, but uh, there's there's someone checking us out on the TGA Facebook group, surfing the ocean, uh, catching catching the wave, surfing the ocean, and uh, um, and then it's <laughs> probably me. I'm a big Sam Ocean fan, so you definitely have lots of uh, lot lots of fans here in the Guardian Academy uh, community and. You know, I feel like I'm I'm getting uh, a kind of a, a coaching session here. So, if if you're up for maybe just one more question, Sam, if you can go just a little past the bottom of the hour here, I'd I'd love to be able to ask, but want to respect your time as well. Of course, let's go. Well, it's it has to do with um, building on the theme that uh, you were talking about previously, because I really loved what you said about in terms of your offer. You, what what I heard you advocating was pay attention to what's what bothers your ideal clients and then provide them a, a solution that allows them to not have to do the thing that they don't want to do. Mm. And this ties in a little bit to what Vivica's question, which is, and you mentioned this, it's like so often those of us that are trying to achieve some level of success um, with our own enterprise by putting it out on social media, we go right to the tactical. Like what's, mm. you know, what's, what's the, how many times a day do I post and what time of day should I post? And uh, you know, do I need to, you know, use AI? And so all these tools and tactics are easy to wrap our head around and we can get enamored with them. But to your point earlier about less is, or more does not e equal closer, the more tactics you're adding to your, strategy, the less effective your strategy, because mm. system liability just says the more things you yeah. put into your system, the less efficient it's going to be. Ultimately, one of the things that left to my mind is, you know, there, there's, there is that deep empathy that we as creators and entrepreneurs and freelancers need to have for the people that we seek to serve. We can't succeed unless we can actually put ourselves in their shoes and see things from their perspective and, and understand their challenges, their pain points and all that sort of thing. Um, at the same time, it feels like, and you mentioned vision earlier. It's like, we have to have some sort we have to like, what I am finding with the, with folks that I work with is the ones that aren't succeeding, don't have enough clarity about who they really are, what they're really good at and where they really belong to begin mm -hmm. with. They're just diving right into I know I can make this thing. I think I can sell this thing. And if I just get the right secret formula of tactics, it'll all happen. And so what would your, what, in your experience, because you're working with a lot of high level um, entrepreneurs, you know, what is your take on their level of self-awareness and their level of integrity, not just in terms of, um, you know, moral fortitude, but in like, integrity of, of being true to themselves and true to their vision and executing a mission, a mission that happens to make money because it's serving people that need 
that unique thing that they can deliver? Yeah, I so I ask myself this question all the time. I think it's one of my biggest like bumpers, which aligns to the closer versus more. And the thing, the the patterns I, I realize are one with vision and being honest with yourself with what your vision actually is and putting less weight and pressure on that question, right? I, for me, it was always like everyone in my circles was like, I want to go change a million lives. I want to go do this big thing. I want to go do that big thing. And I never related to any of that, but I felt bad about it. I'm like, Ooh, if I don't say this, I'm like the black sheep here. What came, what, what unlocked it for me was realizing like my mission is not to go change people's lives. If anything, if there's something I want to do, I just want to go travel. I want to go dance salsa, drink some good tequila down in Latin America, hang out with good friends and do cool work that I love. That lights me up more than any, you know, change a million lives. I still impact people's lives. It's just not the the end point, you could say. Um, and so that's to me, that's a huge one. And it's related to the whole uh, follow your passion stuff. I've, I've always felt following your passions is BS because it's a hard signal to identify and look for. It, I, I don't think it's really a feeling in the body. To me, a feeling in the body is the feeling of excitement. You can you can identify excitement very easy because it happens like this. It's a, it's a lift in your chest. Your eyes kind of go wider. And when you feel that feeling, to me, it's like that's the direction to follow. I've read an ancient text that excitement, enthusiasm is like being breathed upon by the gods. It's a feeling that it will never lead you astray. And so don't look at your vision. Don't look at whatever the grand mission is. Look at what excites you today, what excites you when you think about it and start building towards that. It will start to shift and turn, but it's going to be in the general tra trajectory, which leads me to the last point, which is the skills you have and the things that you enjoy doing and like to do. I've questioned a lot because I've been in this game for nine years now, going hard at it seven in the direct response marketing game. And I'm like, should I get out? Should I transition? And instead of being in the online digital education space, selling courses, coaching and mastermind, should I go like learn tech? Should I go learn AI and actually go work with some software company or whatever? There's, should I go learn AI myself? Should I go be a prompt master? There's all of these things and being okay with not learning all these things you think you have to and diving into the one to two that you're just the best at and come naturally, that will naturally lead you to the models or the paths that are best for you. For me, it's the online education publishing model, right? That's my path. I'm happy with that. I'm excited thinking about it, which means I'm giving up on my dream to become some AI tech CEO. It sounds cool, but I have no business doing something like that. And I don't need to. You don't have to go do that. So rant over. <laughs> it's a good rant. Okay. That was awesome. And I needed to hear that more than anything. Um, <laughs> Scott already All knows. Um, this has been awesome, Sam. I appreciate your time. We appreciate your time. What um, What's coming up down the pipeline for you? How can people reach out or work with you or give us the, the details? The, the lowdown. So I... And I've just started a new chapter, you could say. I mean, maybe, I don't know, new page in the same chapter. Um, it's at, you know, dualify.com. I'm just going harder on the building in public. So one of my things I want to do is my mission right now is I am building a portfolio of micro creators with my own money. And so it's this idea of creating these, uh, these different brands in different segments 
where I can go create digital courses or coaching programs and then finding the right creators to put their face on it. So I won't go too deep into that, but um, that's going to be my business. And I actually just launched my first round of ads today using one of our favorites, Laurel's strategy. And I'm going to be documenting that journey online on all social platforms. And I just give a lot of it away for free. So if, if they want to DM me, DM me anywhere. I always get back to people. And I guess that's it. Really fantastic. Sam, I just want to, I want to highlight the, the, the big takeaway for me from your rant, because I, it's one of the things that I hear Nick talking about in the Guardian Academy. And it's something that I, you know, that he and Dan both speak to as something they learned from Randy Massengale, which is, you know, we think that purpose is this like destination out there that we need to go find and exploit, or it's this internal thing that we have, have to excavate and exploit. And what Randy and, and Nick and Dan argue is that purpose is an emergent quality. If you bring purpose and intention and integrity to the things that you're doing, a clarified purpose will emerge from that. And I was hearing wow. that exact same thing in what you're saying about passion. And it's something I deeply believe like, trying to find your passion and then do something with it is, is an invitation to a lot of pain and suffering and maybe shame and guilt because <laughs> it's, it's really hard to find. Uh, but if you bring passion to any, the things that you're doing right now, more passion just becomes a naturally occurring side effect. And so I love this idea that you were sharing about like, do, you know, do things, try things, bring purpose and passion to them and, as more purpose and passion emerge, you'll be able to step into better uh, and different possibilities. And, and that's how you're going to succeed in this life. So just oh. had to share that because it, I think that's a, a profound takeaway and something that everybody in the, the academy that's that's building out loud or in private um, can take. It's been such a thrill to um, to have you with us. It's I, I hope that, you know, at some point we can do this again. I feel like we've only scratched the surface of the wisdom that you have to share with us all, but it's really exciting to meet you. It's really exciting to follow your journey. And I'm excited to see how this next chapter of yours goes. Oh, Scott, thank you so much. You too, Vivica. I, uh, I always am grateful when someone shines a spotlight on me and I can just share some of these things I've learned. So today was a true pleasure. It was fun for me. It would be awesome to do it again. And uh, just nothing but the best compliments for both of you and the, the crew that we all come from. Appreciate it, Sam. All right, everyone. That's uh, a wrap for today. Uh, next week, I think we have um, the fabulous Nicole Richards is going to be in the hot seat. We're going to catch up with what she's been up to. And uh, once again, Sam, everyone go find Sam wherever he is online and, and check out what he's uh, putting down. And we'll see you all next time.